It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Guessman. Joining me as always, Mr. LA Times himself, Kevin Baxter. We are coming to you on February 26, 2018. This is game week number one if you're playing along at home. The LA Galaxy, of course, will be facing off against the Portland Timbers on Sunday. Very first game of the 2018 regular season. That is all happening this week, so we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. First thing we're going to go over, obviously, is the LA Galaxy's loss to the Vancouver Whitecaps in their last preseason game. We also have a Galaxy weekly schedule, a bunch of calendar events the uh, the organization LA Galaxy are putting together uh, this week in order to get all amped and excited for the Sunday kickoff. And then, of course, we have the March calendar coming up. It feels like we're back home doing all the things we normally do on a game week. So uh, without too much further ado, let's talk to Mr. Kevin Baxter, see how he's doing. Uh, Kevin, what do you think, buddy? Uh, another season is upon us. You know what? I've been thinking a lot about the show. And yes. I, I have a couple of ideas, or, or at least one idea. Maybe a way we can make the show better. Like, I was thinking, what if we broke the show up into segments? Like, for example, you would have a segment where you would talk about, oh, I don't know, soccer, galaxy, right. whatever. Right. And then I would come on and I would do like 10 minutes of stand-up. You know, <laughs> for example, it's something like this. We'd go like this. I, then I would come on and say, hey, Josh, I ever tell you about my grandfather? We lost him in the Holocaust Museum, but we found him in the gift shop. He was fine. Or, or I could say something like, hey, Josh, you know what uh, General Custer said at the Little Bighorn? What? Ouch. Yeah. Jeez. What I, do you think? I don't, I mean, I... This is this is the problem again with people's telling you that that you're funny, um, is that you think you're funny, and so yeah, I mean you know hey you know what maybe you should start your own podcast where it'd just be Kevin Baxter doing stand up, you know so, you could, okay I'm gonna take that as a definite maybe I mean you know we had we had this whole corner of the galaxy like meeting beforehand before we started recording tonight and and you and you, 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 you didn't bring it up my segments and yeah and you didn't bring it up at all so I'm you know a little blindsided here but that's that's fine I understand it's week one we're still a little rusty that's fine it, it's perfect all right Kevin L A Galaxy we're trying, we're trying to build chemistry <laughs> just like the galaxy what a, what a transition. Uh, the LA Galaxy lose 2-1 to one to the Vancouver Whitecaps. This is the same team that basically they lost uh, twice to in the same week. Uh, Kevin, it was... Uh, I- I'm going to be on the positive side. Now, here's the funny thing. I was just recently told, Kevin, and I didn't know this was me, but but maybe I am, that apparently I'm Mr. Sunshine whenever it comes to the LA Galaxy, that I, I don't say bad things about them, um, and that I'm a glass-half-full type of guy. Uh, so, so I didn't know that. And I think the LA galaxy might be surprised to hear that as well. Cause I don't think they like me and they don't think that I, I, I say nice things about them all the time. So, um, you know, Hey, I guess if you're, if you're taking both sides off, you're kind of doing something right. But the LA galaxy game, they lost two to one, Kevin, I'm perfectly aware of the, uh, of the score, but the two, one loss, I thought they played their best game of the preseason by far. I don't even think it was close in terms of what they were able to do with the ball, how they dominated possession. Uh, the, really, the only thing that was missing for me was the, uh, was the finishing. And if they could have gotten that right, I think this was an easy win for them. So uh, you talked about chemistry, and then we sort of joked a little bit here at the beginning. But if that chemistry is right here for this team, um, it's a different score, and, and I think they showed a lot of promise. That was, that was my takeaway. 
Well, you know, they outshot Vancouver 14 to 5. Uh, they dominated possession, seven shots on goal. Uh, scored only on the penalty kick, though. So they are doing things right. I, this is a much better team than the team that the ESPN power rankings have uh, in 19th, uh, 19th in the 20 among the 23 teams in MLS. This team is is much better than that. The problem still seems to be it's it's not you know it the it's not as good as the sum of its parts. I mean, right. the parts are really good, and they're just not coming together. And I was thinking about that today too. Um, Soccer is a is a, a much different sport than a, a lot of others. Like baseball, for example, you trade a guy or you sign a free agent, and, and he comes to spring training and he does the same thing he did on his other team. He stands mm-hmm. out in left field, he comes up, swings at a couple of pitches. It's basically the same game. Um, soccer is different in that you can have a great striker and you can have a great midfielder, and if they haven't played together, they don't have any timing, they don't have any chemistry, they don't have any recognition of where each other's going, when a guy's going to make a run. That stuff takes time. So if you look at this and say, okay, Alessandrini is a good midfielder, uh, Kamara is a good forward, they are going to get on the same page. They were not on the same page on Saturday. You saw a lot of times when guys started runs and the pass went behind them or the pass went forward and they weren't making a run. Those things, I think, are going to get hammered out. So um, I, I'm just looking at this as – as this is part of the sport. And, and Bruce Arena always talked about how soccer was a sport that was prone to upsets because it's such a low-scoring game and one mistake can lead to a goal. And so that might be a reason why you look at the Galaxy's preseason record, two and four, and say, well, that's not good. But, you know, sometimes it's just one mistake by a defender leads to a goal and you lose the game. That doesn't mean you've played a bad game. As you said, they lost this game and they totally dominated. So I, I'm kind of with you that – you know, there's some rough edges that still need to be smoothed out. Will they be done by by Sunday? I don't know. Yeah, I like Portland a lot. I think that's going to be a tough opponent for them. I think Portland could be one of the teams favored in the Western Conference. Yeah, I certainly. I mean, you know, that's the whole thing. There, there's, there's. Let me tell you what what's going on because I know you're not a hundred percent dialed into it all the time. But uh, on LA Galaxy Reddit and LA Galaxy Facebook and LA Galaxy Twitter, there's a bunch of people ready to jump off a bridge right now. They look at the LA Galaxy's preseason uh, uh, standings and, and and how they finished, and they sit there and say, wow, this team is no better. And I've been told uh, this many times. This team is no better, as in none, than the 2017 team that came before it. Um, I, would, I would disagree just on the face of it, just to start um, with that particular comment. But this is the sort of panic breathing into a paper bag you're getting from, you know, a lot of the fan base. And I understand it. You want to look at results in the preseason, go ahead and, and get yourself all worked up. But this game was the perfect example of if you're just looking at the score, Kevin, you're not paying attention to what was on the field. Here's here's the big thing. And you were talking about the chemistry. We knew going into this that you looked at all the differences that were going to, or, or at least where all the changes came, that where those changes came was going to be the, sort of the biggest upset for things, right, Kevin? So we, we, you replace Ola, you, you get rid of Giassi's artist and you replace him with Ola Kamara. You knew that working Kamara into the offense was going to be a major task of the preseason. And so we've been seeing that developed. And then you knew replacing a, a bunch of you paste David Bingham as goalkeeper. You get Rolf Felcher, you get uh, Jorgen Schelvik, you bring in basically three people to that back line, that there's going to be some adjustment there. So where have we seen the Galaxy struggle the most is on defense and a little bit in that in, in working into Ola Kamara into these games. So none of this is a surprise. And if you thought it was just going to be easy and you flipped a switch, then you haven't really been paying attention to a lot of things. Well, so knowing that they need to work on this chemistry, what do you think of the early season schedule? I know we wanted to talk about that, but what really interests me is that break between March 11th and the 24th, the international break. LAFC, for example, 
um, they have three weeks off. Um, they go from the 11th to the 31st. Um, the Galaxy only has two weeks off, which means they're going to come back and play one of those games without the Dos Santos brothers, presumably be called up for the Mexican national team and will be playing in Santa Clara the night before um, the Galaxy comes back from that break. Do you think it's better to have those games? And now they get an extra, they, they do get an extra week off in June during the World Cup when, again, the both Dos Santos brothers will be away. Knowing that they need to work on this chemistry, do you think it's better to have that extra game uh, in March and, and then have a, a, a week off in June? Or do you would you prefer them not to play so many games the first month of the season? Yeah, I think, the, the quite honestly, the least amount of games you can play at the beginning of the season is probably the best, just because that chemistry is still developing and you're developing it in training. Um, so the more time you have, and, and we talk to players, coaches, everybody afterwards, Kevin, and everybody sort of gives the same answer whenever we, we, you ask, you know, do you wish you had more time? The answer is yes, we wish we had more time. And also, no, it's time to start playing games. Um, so you sort of see the, the difference there, but I think, and it's sort of been my, my feeling this whole time that, you know, the first half of this season is where the chemistry is going to be built, but the longer, you know, the, the least amount of games you can play in that first half of the season until after the world cup, probably the better for the galaxy, just because there's going to be hiccups. There's going to be hits and misses on this, Kevin. We both know it. Um, you know, the Galaxy are going to have to play a very good Portland team on Sunday, March 4th. Uh, they played who I consider probably one of the better teams in the Western Conference in Vancouver. Uh, they're going to have to play the New York City, which is probably going to be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So you look at their start, and, you know, the gift is that they get, probably get to play LAFC on March 31st. That's probably their gift um, in these first four games because... The first three teams that they're going to face are all good teams. So for me, I would rather that the uh, back end of the season be a little more heavily loaded than the front end of the season. But uh, there's not really any choice. The four games they're going to play in March are all going to be difficult games for different reasons. And this Galaxy team is going to have hits and misses in this in these first couple of games. That's how I see it. Now I'm going to I'm going to take my lead from David Bingham, um, assuming that he's being being honest when he talked to us after the game and he said that he thought the preseason was pretty good. He said, and he, and he told you that there was a few things that needed to be cleaned up, but that he was positive going forward and he's given up a lot of goals, you know, um, aside from that one shutout against New York city, they gave up 11 goals and Bingham was in net for many of those goals. And he said, you know, he feels confident. So I, I, I think what he's saying is I am starting to get some chemistry with some of these defenders. Remember he, three of the goals he gave up, uh, to San Jose came off rebounds. And I think that's a, a situation where in his mind, he's thinking these defenders will figure out, you know, I give up rebounds. They go this way. This is where I punch the ball out and, and that they will make those adjustments. I, I, I'm just guessing, you know, reading between the lines of what he said that they are, will get on the same page and that this is a correctable problem. It's not like some of the problems we saw last season during the season when it was like, this is just uh, this is just the circus. Nobody has any idea what they're doing. This looks a little bit more manageable to me. Yeah, it feels more manageable. Um, again, in this game, and, and you get, you said it perfectly. You know, the Galaxy way outshot uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, I I don't think Bingham had to make a save on the night. The one shot that they got. Uh, was a goal. Uh, I think they ended up having two total shots, but only uh, only maybe one of those on goal, and it ends up going in. But you look at this, and you look at how that whole play developed, and it was Roman Alessandrini in a total hustle play coming back and trying to almost... I keep wanting to call it back-checking, Kevin. And I watch enough hockey to know that it's a hockey term and not necessarily a soccer term. But getting back on defense and, and really you know trying to get the, those offensive players around and in front of those defenders. And he comes in all the way into the box 
and makes a toe poke, uh, you know, interception on on one of these uh, on, on a Vancouver player inside the box, and the toe poke just happens to go to another player who buries it near post. And I've heard a bunch of people talking about how the defense was, you know, clueless on that play. And if you look at it, the defense probably did what they were supposed to do on that. And David Bingham getting, you know, beat near post is no more worrying than the fact that, you know, Romano, do you want Romano Alessandrini not to track back in that particular case? I mean, you look at it, it's just unlucky. Overall, it's unlucky. And I think people are looking at David Bingham seeing that he's given a, a couple goals to the near post. Um, and I've seen a lot of goalkeepers starting to talk about the near post and how everybody says you can't give up goals at the near post. And he goes, so are you supposed to, uh, one goalkeeper, a, a professional, I don't remember who it was, says, so so as a goalkeeper, am I supposed to cheat to the near post? Because as soon as I cheat to the near post, uh, then they're going to go far post on me. He goes, so do you want me to uh, to anticipate that it's going to the near post? Because if I do that, again, then I'm not you know reacting to a, to a, to a far post shot. So all of these little things that you see are, are things that, you know, yes, you can look at trends. Um, yes, that's what the preseason is for, to see how these guys um, are reacting to certain situations. But you can tell out there, it's far from a finished product. And the game on Saturday night was a great example of a really good defensive effort, a really good midfield effort, and a, you know, semi-okay offensive effort. There were tons of chances created, just no finishing. That's That's bottom line for me. Well, you know, a lot of good soccer coaches, and the one I remember the most is Jill Ellis, coach of the U.S. women's team. They say, I'm not worried if we're creating chances. The ball will eventually go in. What I get worried about is when we don't create chances. And, and the Galaxy, like I said, dominated play, dominated possession, dominated shots, uh, every statistic that you want. Um, the ball didn't go in. You know, and, and they were playing a pretty good MLS team. You know, again, you look at LAFC on Sunday. They had 25 shots, nine of them on goal. And they beat a USL team one to nothing, Sacramento Republic. So, um, you know, the point is it's early season. If you're creating those opportunities, that's the good thing. The Galaxy were creating those opportunities. They were dominating play. Those balls will eventually go in. What they need to do is, as you said, finish. And that'll come with the chemistry. That'll come with having players get in position for those rebounds. That'll that'll come when – and you saw it a couple of times where Kamara looked like he was going to start a run. The ball went forward and he pulled up. Or – um, you know, the pass came behind him because he was running too fast. Those things will get cleared up as these players get, um, you know, get on the same page with each other. I, I, I'm with you. I think I saw more to be encouraged about because although the result wasn't good, um, the errors appear to be correctable ones and ones that shouldn't take too long to figure out. Now, if we're having the same conversation in a couple of weeks, then uh, then things are really bad. But I don't think we will be. Yeah, or even a month. I mean, you know, again, at the end of March, you're going to have a better feeling of what this team looks like. Um, you know, I don't know how you keep score or even really track the score in preseason. You look at it and say, hey, that's that's what the effort was. And, and clearly, in 2017, Kevin, there were many times when the Galaxy had better possession, had better chances, and ended up losing by two or three goals because their defense was so porous. I just didn't see that reflected on Saturday night. You were talking about... Uh, Jill Ellis saying, you know, creating chances. Well, Ola Kamara also talking to us after the game. Uh, he said, and I quote, I'm getting chances all the time, so this is a good thing. But I have to work on the sharpness. But we're getting, but we're working on the on getting the chemistry now, and I'm getting a lot of chances, and that's good for a striker. If I was going into the season and I wasn't getting a lot of chances, then I'd be very stressed. But right now, I'm feeling chemistry, and I'm getting chances. There it is. I mean, that's basically what Jill Ellis said. Ola Kamara is feeling the same thing. That's the thing in the locker room. And I think, Kevin, you're and I, you, you and I's job 
on this podcast is to try to take people into that locker room and tell them how the players are reacting. And in 2017, I think we did a good job of that. There was frustration. There was mistrust. There was anger. There was all sorts of things that were going on in that locker room that don't happen on a team that's winning or or as a result of all those bad things, you know, a, a team that's dysfunctional and not operating correctly. Um, in 2018, and what we're seeing is guys talking, guys laughing, guys having a good time. Yes, Everybody in that locker room wants to win. I, I think I always have to, I feel bad that I always have to constantly say that whenever I say, hey, you know, the Gal- Galaxy lost two to one and there are guys in there who are like, hey, you know what? Hey, that was a good job out there. You played well, you know, and they're laughing, they're joking afterwards. But that's okay in a preseason game. That's what you expect from these guys. They're confident. They're feeling it, Kevin. And I think, at least from my point of view, that's what I'm seeing from Siggy Schmidt. That's what I'm seeing from, you know, Ola Kamara and uh, David Bingham. And we talked to Servando Carrasco as well after this uh, this 2-1 loss. And everybody is upbeat, positive, looking at that game on Sunday. I think they're all happy that they get to play a real game now and that now the scores actually count. Uh, so no more of this stuff where you and I get to say, hey, you know, the Galaxy actually played a pretty, game, pretty good game and still lost. Um, although we still will do that. But, I mean, you can feel it all building towards something, and everybody seems positive. That's my takeaway from the locker room. Well, you said our job is to is to take fans into the locker room. That's one of the jobs. The other job is to tell really good jokes. But in any case, when we were in the locker room and, and uh, Kamara came over and you said hola to Ola, uh, what did he tell you he was going to do next? Ah, uh, yes. The, the, the big news was that Ola Kamara is currently, as we're recording on a Monday night, is currently out of the country. I know that might come as a shock to some people saying, hey, wait a minute, your starting striker, a guy who which we both agree, Kevin, there's not much backup for uh, if he goes down or he's not available. He is not in the United States right now. He's actually back home, uh, I believe, in Norway, um, and he is working. He had an appointment, I believe, today or tomorrow um, to, to have an appointment for his green card and come into the United States. Now, uh, now yes. one of the things, though, uh, he said he's going to Stockholm. Yeah, which, I, which is in is Sweden. Is in Sweden. And not and Norway. And he's from Oslo, which is in Norway. So <laughs> does he not know the countries? Does he get those confused? Or did he go to the wrong place? I mean, he's not going to get that green card if he's in the wrong country. He may not get back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I kept, whenever he said that, I'm like, you know... I'm pretty sure I'm in geography here that that is not in Norway. Um, yeah, talk about a guy that can't find the net. He can't even find the right country. I think possibly what he was saying is that maybe that he had a flight that was going through Stockholm to get back to Norway for some reason. Maybe there was a changeover. Maybe there's not a direct from LA. Maybe the way he was routed, he had to go around. I have no idea. Uh, maybe you can get a green card in uh, in 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 uh, in Stockholm, uh, even though you're from uh, from Oslo. I have no idea, to be honest with you. But that's what he said. I remember hearing it. I was like, okay, that's interesting. Um, but it, he was also cautious in his uh, sort of telling us about this because Kevin, he was trying to say that it's not guaranteed he was going to get it. Uh, that he, you know, all the all the paperwork seemed to be in order. Everything was was sort of here, and he was ready, but there was no guarantee that the United States government was going to issue, you know, a green card. And you have to be out of the country, because he's currently in on a certain type of visa. In fact, it was, I, I think, an EB-1A visa, which is the Extraordinary Ability Green Card. Or actually, this is for the green card, but there's another, a P-1 visa, I believe, is the is the one he's on. And if he comes back in on a green card requirement, um, it's the Extraordinary Ability Green Card, the EB-1A. So that's how some of these guys, including Robbie Keane, it seems like, have gotten their green cards in the past. So, um, 
Kind of interesting to see how all this stuff goes. Uh, I had a I had a listener of ours, Kevin, on Reddit actually send me the extraordinary ability green card uh, requirements. Uh, if you want to hear the three requirements that you need, I can share those with you right now. Why not? Okay, sure. Let's do it. Let's do it. Why not get totally sidetracked and crazy? Uh, number one, sustained national or international acclaim as evidenced through extensive documentation. Two, the individual seeks to enter the United States to continue work in the area of this extraordinary ability. And three, his or her entry will substantially benefit prospectively the United States. Um, and there's a, technically speaking, there's no offer of employment is required to have this green card. So you, it says that you don't have to have an offer of employment, maybe, but you're going to have to continue to work in that field of extraordinary ability. That's, that's the whole well, idea. Yes. I think he's, I think he's, first of all, I, I don't think he would go to Stockholm or Oslo for that matter, unless he had a pretty good idea he was going to get it because that's two long flights within the course of a few days. But you know, the other thing, he's got Trump on his side. Didn't Trump just last month say we should have more people from Norway yes. in the United States? Yes. He, here's a guy from Norway wants to come. Absolutely. That is what, and, and Ola Kamara was, uh, was said that as well. He said, no, he goes, I think I'm okay. Uh, because you know, Trump says that he wants more, more Norwegians. And I think he said he's bringing back two. So, uh, so whenever he comes back, um, he's bringing back uh, two other people. I would imagine, I, 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 and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but either a wife or girlfriend, and I haven't done the, uh, the research to understand, and perhaps uh, someone else, either a child or, uh, or, or another relative. I'm not sure. I, I didn't do the research. Ch I apologize. Chain migration. Chain migration. There you go. That's, That's how it works. So there's, isn't, it, isn't it good, Norwegian wood? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, here we go. Um, <laughs> continuing on, I just you you were just you're the comedian today. I understand every every show needs one. Um, so anyway, so that's that's sort of the interesting news on on Ola Kamara. And I thought he had a decent game. His finishing was very poor. He had a chance. He tried to chip the keeper in one where I think Siggy even criticized and said he should hit those hard. Um, if there's any big criticism of this LA Galaxy game, it's the finishing. Ima Boateng not pulling the trigger. Uh, Giovanni dos Santos not pulling the trigger. Um, all of these guys sort of seem seeing seeming to be hesitant to shoot the ball, um, even though they got 14 shots. It's just it's one of those things. Every once in a while, things. Uh, Siggy, I think, said they're, that they tried to be too cute. Kevin was the uh, was the exact uh, wording on some of that stuff. So, I mean, this is what the Galaxy are right now. They're a team that looks like they have great control in the midfield, and they certainly dominated in that. They did well on defense in this particular game, so that's great. Just the offense wasn't clicking there. Uh, maybe one of the reasons the offense wasn't clicking, and something that we haven't touched on yet, no Jonathan Dos Santos in the lineup. Kevin, now uh, uh, corner of the Galaxy's very own. Uh, Larry Morgan was out at training on Friday and told me, and I and I therefore reported that uh, Jonathan Dos Santos did not train at all with the LA Galaxy on Friday. There was no definitive reason given for him not training, just that it was precautionary, uh, and so everybody sort of expected him to be ready to play on Saturday in terms of uh, how that was going to go. And he did not show. He wasn't even on the bench. Did not dress. Did not show up. Uh, is this is this something people should be worried about here, Kevin? Well, what I'm worried about is the is the response we got from Ziggy Schmidt, and and I know you're prepared to tell me that he doesn't have to say anything, and that's true. But when a coach gets evasive when he's asked a direct question, is this the injury? And he says no, and then doesn't clarify it. To me, as a reporter, that leads to, um, you know, I'm like Emma Gonzalez. I'm going to call BS on that because it leads to a lot of speculation. Well. What is it? Tell us what it is. And if you remember, we started the, the post-game press conference asking about Jonathan, and I think I was the one that asked, um, is it a groin, which is what I've been told. And he said, no. No. And yes. I said, is it a leg? No. no. 
And then I said, can I keep naming body parts? And he said, yes, you can, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. So why won't he tell us what it is? How serious? I, I did ask if uh, he had an MRI, and I don't know that I ever got a direct I, answer I, to I that think, question. I think it was a no. I think that was a no as well. I think what we ruled out was a leg, a groin, and a lower back. I think those were the things that we that we eliminated with the questioning, and I think it was you and Scott French doing that um, to to sort of figure those out. So yeah, um, it's very interesting. I don't know. This is the thing with Bruce Arena. I always expected that, right? And that was Bruce a hundred percent of the time. With Siggy, he's been fairly upfront with us. I think so far in terms of telling us what's going on. So the fact that Jonathan uh, that Jonathan Dos Santos did not train on Friday did not dress on Saturday at all, and then that Siggy is telling us absolutely nothing about what it is. Again, we're told it's precautionary, but what does that mean? No, I mean, what? No, you're absolutely right, because Ziggy was the one that when the team wouldn't say anything about Daniel Starris last year, he was the one that said he had a broken, was that the broken bone in his back? Yeah. Uh, yep. And he was the one, Ziggy was the one that said flat out, without hesitation, what it was. He's the one that told us. Um, and when the team was being very cautious, um, Ziggy was the one that told me that Bradford Jameson had a concussion when the, the team had said nothing to that effect. So the fact that Ziggy, who has always been very straightforward and, and open, um, hasn't said anything. And, and again, you know, you're right. They don't, there's no rule that says they have to tell the media or anybody about injuries, but it does beg the question, especially when the person's very open about now you, you were talking about hockey earlier in hockey. It's forever. It's been upper body injury or lower body range. The guy, the guy could, could have his head severed from his body and that's an upper, <laughs> upper body, body injury. Right. And he could, you know, that's just, that's as far as they'll go. And that's a hockey tradition and everybody lives with that. And it's kind of, kind of crappy, but that's to be expected when you have a guy telling you everything. And all of a sudden he says, I can't be specific. Well, to me, that raises a lot of red flags. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you're asking, everybody's asking sort of for status updates on Jonathan Dos Santos. We're not waving the red flag yet, but we're certainly saying that something is not right here. Uh, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, uh, perhaps, or, or Norway. Or Norway. Or, yeah, there <laughs> yeah, you go. Exactly. Um, and so, so that's what we got out of, out of, you know, the Jonathan Dos Santos situation. Here's the interesting thing is, Joel Pedro started in place of Jonathan Dos Santos. Now, one, that was interesting because it seemed like Joel Pedro had suddenly jumped up in terms of his importance to Siggy Schmidt because we've seen that maybe Joel Pedro was not even a second-string guy in some of these cases. Maybe he was more of a third-string guy, and there, there were a whole bunch of people in front of him, which is interesting for a guy the Galaxy purposely went out and paid a, you know, a good chunk of money for uh, to, to grab last year uh, is maybe not even in the plans of you know the first or second team, maybe not even on the bench. So he started, so that was interesting. Uh, the, the, the other part of this is that he gets injured in this game and has to come out and is replaced by Servando Carrasco, who I, I haven't seen a ton of quality minutes from just because he's been playing a lot of second team stuff. Um, but I've really enjoyed seeing, I think he got about 48 solid minutes in this game and had played earlier in the week as well. People were wondering why he didn't play the rest of the game and got subbed out. Um, it was because he had played, I think 65 minutes, uh, in the game before. So Servando Carrasco was great, but it takes us back to Joao Pedro and his status with Siggy Schmidt. Now, Kevin, you and I have been talking about, and I think we've brought it up on this podcast before, that it doesn't seem, at least in my my opinion, and you can certainly give us yours, uh, that Siggy Schmidt is a huge Joao Pedro fan. It just it, There's something about the way that Schmidt talks about him. When Siggy talks about Joao, it's... It's different. It's hey, you know he, you know why'd you give Joao Pedro the start? Oh, you know 
he's been complaining a lot about a knee injury, and so we've been taking it easy on him. And it's all these, it's it's this drawn out story that usually Siggy, at least in our limited experience so far, hasn't really been telling. Is that do you get the same feeling on on Pedro? Well, you know, he only played 38 minutes, and and he was one guy that did strike a ball hard. Uh, from I don't know if you remember that early on from the edge of the. Right. Uh, the 18. Uh, it looked like he was auditioning to become the Chargers' new field goal kicker, though. That that didn't come anywhere close to the net. That was halfway up the stands, and and that was a 45-yard field goal. But I, I've noticed that from Ziggy a couple of times, where um, he doesn't. It, with other players, he'll say he has an injury. With him, with Jao Pedro, Ziggy generally says he's complaining of, or he's mentioned that he has a pain in some area of his body. Um, so it isn't that he's injured definitively. It's that he's complaining of pain somewhere as if Ziggy doesn't believe it. And there are eye rolls and there there is some hesitant, hesitancy that it's almost as if Ziggy's trying to tell you that he doesn't believe this. It's almost like a, um, you know, sort of a, of a kind of message for us that he doesn't necessarily believe this, but this is what the story is. Yeah, I don't think that he looks at but, – but you know what's really funny is – if there was a guy that quit on Ziggy last year, and, and I know we're going to go back and bash some guys that we bash a lot, but uh, I, I thought, you know, the, Von Dom and I thought Jermaine Jones quit on him a lot, and I never heard that uh, this kind of tone of voice from Ziggy with those guys. Maybe because they were older and they were veterans, and, and so maybe they get a little bit uh, more slack. But, yeah, they're, they're, he is definitely not in Jao Pedro's corner, that's for sure. Yeah, it certainly seems that way. So with the now, it looks like a, a more more injury news for Joao Pedro, at least having to come out of this game again. Uh, a left leg injury, it looks like, of some sort, whether that's the same knee that was bothering him and it's still bothering him. Uh, I don't. We we don't have definitive answers on on that either. Um, we're doing a great job on all these injury stuff. Uh, this guy probably has something. Who knows what it is? Uh, but anyway, so Joel Pedro uh, again. Servando Carrasco for me. One got to talk to him after the game, which is my first interaction with him. And if you're talking about a guy who you want on the bench on your team, I don't know, Kevin. He was really impressive to me, just the way that he was talking about what his mindset was and and what his job was and you know, how he is going to approach playing for the Galaxy. I mean, this is not a guy who has any illusions that he's a starter. He knows he's not a starter. He talks about it straight out, saying it's my job to train really hard uh, and make sure that everybody's prepared for the game. He goes, we have a ton of talent on this team, and it's my job to make sure those guys are ready for Sunday. And he goes, and, and also to be ready in case I need to come in. That's it. But the guy is so positive and upbeat about it. I don't know. I Maybe maybe I'm developing a man crush here, but Servando Carrasco seems like he is exactly the type of guy the Galaxy needed on the bench last year, and he's here. He's a veteran. He knows how to train. He knows how to play. And in a pinch, and in this game, I thought he was one of the better players. In fact, maybe the best player on the field for the Galaxy on Saturday night. Yeah, he was dangerous at times, but if as far as that man crush goes, be careful because Alex Morgan's going to break your arm. Yeah, but um, he one of the things I thought, and again, trying to look at Ziggy's body language and 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 the words he uses and you know how he expresses himself. When he talked about Carrasco, one of the things he, he said is he's a veteran. I put him in because it was a. It, and Ziggy was telling the story. It was a cold night. It was a 38th minute. Nobody had warmed up, and he he needed someone to go in for for Jao Pedro. And he picked Carrasco, and he said because I know he's a veteran. I know he's going to be careful with you know he's going to go on the field and warm up. He's going to be careful. He's not going to try to do too much. And Carrasco said the same thing afterwards. I wasn't going to go on the field and sprint from one end to the other. I was going to kind of warm up in the game. Um, so you you kind of see Ziggy saying this is the kind of guy I want. Um, you know, he may not be talented enough to start, but he's smart enough to know how to, how this game is played. And then 
he was replacing a guy that presumably has more talent, but is just not, you know, applying it and, and not, uh, not performing the way Ziggy expects him to. So I, I, I kind of thought that was interesting. You really get the impression that Ziggy really liked Carrasco a lot and, and just wasn't uh, a big fan of Joe Pedro at this point. Yeah, it certainly sees it. And, and uh, Carrasco comes in and, and he's telling us, he goes, you know, I knew I was coming in next to Perry Kitchen, who's also a defensive midfielder. These two, these guys are both, you know, defensive specialists whenever it comes to the midfield position they play. And he knew that he was going to have to play, and in his words, the double pivot. He was going to have to get forward a little bit and Perry would drop back behind him Perry would get forward a little bit he would drop back behind him but the Carrasco is clearly the guy who likes to sit in front of the defenders and sort of be like the fifth defender there and that's also what Kitchen does but he knew what it was that's not something they have trained and practiced on a whole bunch and they executed it fairly well in fact it was good to see Perry Kitchen getting a little more offensive on the side of things so it just goes to show again the depth the galaxy and the depth and talent the galaxy have in midfield uh, Servando Carrasco is a huge upgrade from anything the Galaxy had last year, um, and and that's a really really positive sign for you know a midfield who I think is going to be very very key to either the, the success or the demise of this LA Galaxy team in 2018. So we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, again, I think we talked about Ola Kamara and and sort of he needed to play better. We talked about David Bingham, Giovanni dos Santos. Let's talk about him just for a second. I know Gio gets a brunt of the pressure and the uh, the the spewing of of hate from Galaxy fans. You have a guy who, and I can understand why. You have a guy who makes five point five million dollars. Kevin, he's the highest played player on the team, uh, and he's a guy who disappears for long sections of the time and doesn't necessarily ever put a stamp on a game. Uh, and if you're paying somebody that much money, you would expect that that is what you're going to get. That you know, Robbie Keane was the highest paid player on the team. You got that from Robbie Keane. You know, when Landon Donovan, when David Beckham, you got guys who are able to put their stamps on games, to pick up the team, put them on their back. That's not something that Gio has proven that he can do. But in this game, I thought it was his best game of the preseason by far. Um, I liked his movement. I liked his movement off the ball. He was combining well with Ola Kamara. He was combining well with Allison Drini. He found, you know, Ima Boateng open on the wings as well. These are all things that you wanted to see. If Kamara could have finished a couple of the chances that he had, Gio ends the game with like two or three assists. Uh, and and he has the stats to go along with what I thought was a, a comprehensive good game from Giovanni Dos Santos and a game in which I thought he was active and engaged. That was my take on it. What's your take on Giovanni Dos Santos, Kevin? Well, I think one of the things Gio's trying to figure out, and he has been for a couple of years now, is he's trying to figure out what his role is. If you remember, he clashed a little bit with with Keane on the field. They, they wind up in the same position at the same time. Um, he wasn't really sure if he was supposed to be the guy that set up the plays or the guys that finished them. Um, and then last year, uh, well, and then uh, you know that was the year that he had uh, led the team in goals and assists because Robbie was was hurt so much. But then last year. When Giassi wasn't being productive, I think Gio wanted to try to be a goal scorer, but he needed to be the guy that set things up, and that didn't get cleared up even after Jonathan came in and was sort of supposed to be the number nine at times. Um, Gio would just never seem to be clear whether he was the passer or the finisher. This time, I think, you look at this lineup, and Ola Kamara is your striker. He's the he's, he's a lone striker. He's the target striker. He's the guy. Uh, and now I think Gio has a clear idea of what his role is supposed to be. He's supposed to get the ball to 
Kamara to finish. And that's what his job is going to be. And so I think I think now with that clear and, and that I think is what the Mexican national team wants him to do, too. They have three very good strikers as well, three very good forwards. And his job is to set those guys up. Uh, and what he wants to do with the Galaxy, clearly, I mean, we've known this all along. His focus is the is the Mexican national team. So with the Galaxy, he needs to prove to Juan Carlos Osorio that he can be that setup guy, that he can make those passes and he can, uh, you know, set forwards up. And so he wants to do that here, too. And I, I think it's really good that now he has that clear picture of exactly what his role is. Um, he doesn't have to think about it. And, uh, you know, I think that's good. And you, I think you were the one that asked somebody asking the press conference why he wound up taking the penalty kick. And Ziggy said that that's a decision that he leaves to the players. And generally it's between Alessandrini and, and Gio, which I thought was interesting that Kamara wasn't the guy. Usually it's your striker is the guy, but he says between Gio and Alessandrini and that Alessandrini had, had been stepped on during the week. Uh, and maybe didn't feel that he was up to taking a penalty kick, and so Gio took it and was the one that scored. That was interesting. I didn't realize the play. I, I always thought you went onto the field and you knew who your guy was, that that was determined by the coach ahead of time, but apparently Ziggy leaves it up to the players. Yeah, well, you know, that makes it more fun then whenever they fight over it, uh, and we get to watch it, you know, live on the field as, as we're up in the press box and say, oh, who's going to take it? Oh, they're, they're both putting their hands. Gio has now Allison Drini in a headlock, and they're going down to the turf, and who's going to end up somebody's tapping out, you know, in order to take a penalty kick. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues to go and how that goes. Uh, uh, an important note here, Kevin, that you and I both have is that was Giovanni Dos Santos's first goal of the preseason, was it not? It was. Yes, it was. So he got a penalty kick, and that was it. And and a penalty kick in which he helped create. Let's put it that way. He helped create, but it was Alessandrini's overhead kick, uh, side overhead kick, that, that ended up ca- catching, I think it was uh, De Jong for... Uh, for um, for Vancouver, handball. yeah, for a handball um, and and awarding the penalty. So that was, uh, you know, hey, that's good. Again, they were creating chances. There were shots. There were things that happened, and they were dangerous. The score didn't come out their way, and for a preseason game, I don't care if you really pay attention to the score. Um, well, and it, yeah. if you do pay attention to the score, though, you can go back to Vancouver's first goal on the penalty kick, and I don't know if that was a penalty, and I, I'm not even quite sure it was in the box. It was, it, was it was right re- on the edge. It was really close, and they have VAR, so you would imagine that they got it right. Um, they didn't stop the game for VAR. It looked like the center referee was just going to take the uh, take the recommendation of the VAR official, so that was it, and it was done, and it was a penalty kick, and however that is. That's just a bad play by Joel Pedro. Again, I was arguing on Twitter today that Joel Pedro is a third-string LA Galaxy player, right now and people were trying to argue against that he's a third string LA Galaxy player and that's kind of why that mistake that he made uh, would cost the LA Galaxy you know at least a point on the night. Okay, well, what, well, let's in in the spirit of the of the sippy cup being half full, let's go back and look at where we were last year uh, in January of last year when Gio Pedro was coming over and remember the talk at that time they gave him Steven Gerrard's number eight. He was supposed to be the star of the team. That that was the guy we talked to uh, Jovan and we talked to Chris Klein and and everybody in Vienas and they said this is the guy we wanted because remember there had been that discussion that they were going to sign a player out of the Netherlands and they said no this is the guy we wanted all along this is our guy. Joe Pedro, he's he's the the wave of the future, and they talked about signing young players and dynamic young players, and now the guy is maybe third string, yeah, um, and not getting paid a lot, and frankly may not be long for this uh, for this league or at least for this team, uh, and yet at, at last year at this time he was the star of the team. So if you take no other comfort out of the, out of the preseason. Know that uh, the team is is good enough now that Jao Pedro is not the figurehead anymore. Yeah, he's not the figurehead. And also, if you go back to uh, last preseason, I think the LA Galaxy won all their games except for one. 
Was that was that or or at least they only had one loss uh, in the in the preseason last year? Um, no, I think I think they. I will. I know you, you're going to look typing. it up. Yeah, uh, I, I know. I will look it up. But I I did that the other, because both. If you remember after the game at the at the uh, Great Park, Orange County Great Park, which by the way, Chris Klein told me that they uh, anticipate making that an annual preseason event. That which everybody loved that. Yeah, which is great. But, but after that game, both Ashley Cole and, and Ziggy Schmidt said, oh, you know, the Galaxy won all of its preseason games last year. That's not true. They lost to San Jose in Las Vegas, and they lost to the Portland Timbers on February 25th uh, at the StubHub Center. So they actually lost two games. They won two games, and they, they played a one-on-one draw with Tijuana. So it was 2-2-1 two, two and one last year in the preseason, not unbeaten. So, so and, and however that looks, uh, bottom line is that the season didn't really take off from there um, with those with those with with that extra win that they got. So uh, it doesn't mean anything. And it, it means things, and it doesn't mean things, and I know we've kicked that back and forth as we go, but that's, that's sort of where we sit. Uh, uh, another thing as we move forward, uh, another bit of news at least, and we talked about Ola Kamara and his green card. Well, Captain Ashley Cole, by the way, cleared up. In case there was any cl- anything that wasn't clear about the fact that Ashley Cole was captain, Siggy Schmidt uh, was asked during the press conference if to 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 comment on whether or not Ashley Cole would be the captain, and he gave the affirmative yes. Ashley Cole is our captain for the 2018 season. So Siggy Schmidt uh, affirming. Uh, Ashley Cole's captaincy, but uh, the captain of the LA Galaxy now has an added family member. Uh, he was actually not available to talk to us after the game on Saturday night, Kevin, and the reason was a good reason, um, that his girlfriend was being induced, uh, and she was due to uh, to give birth. I, I got word from the LA Galaxy today, um, and I'm sure you've seen it around social media and stuff like that as well, but from the LA Galaxy that Ashley Cole has had a baby girl, uh, and that mom and baby are doing just fine. Everything went well, so that's, uh, he, that's good news. He actually sprinted off the field after the game. Um, you know, when everyone was in the middle of the field shaking hands and or, or and coming off signing autographs, Ashley ran, dashed into the locker room and got out of there as fast as he could. And again, yeah, with reason. In fact, I asked somebody afterwards. I was stunned that he even came to the game. And they said, no, it was all planned. It was worked out. She was going to be induced after the game. But, um, you know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, on one hand, it's like this is a little bit bigger than a preseason game. You're 37. You've played more games. Uh, at, at left back than any defender in the history of the English national team. You're, you, you know how this game works. You're pretty good. So on one hand, it's like, does he really need to play that game when something like this is about to happen? On the other hand, he's the captain. And I think, I bet you that figured into knowing Ashley, I bet you that figured into his thinking. Yes, it's a meaningless, meaningless preseason game. That's why I need to be there because I'm the captain. And if the captain doesn't show up and, and, and work hard during these games, then what's going to make some of these young guys work hard during these games? So uh, I haven't had a chance to talk to him about it. As you said, he was gone, and, and the Galaxy haven't had to organize team activities since then. But my guess is knowing Ashley and how much he wants to be captain, and he really, really wants to be captain. He's really embraced this role. I'm, I'm sure that was part of it. Look, guys, I'm going to give my wife's going to give birth. My girlfriend's going to give birth in a couple hours and I'm out here busting my butt. So you can do the same thing. Uh, kid is eligible for the uh, U.S. women's national team, by the way. So, I mean, if you're if you're looking at an upside there uh, for future U.S. women's national team, I'll, they have plenty of talent. I mean, she's going to have to fight for it. But if she wants to play soccer, uh, she would be eligible to play for the United States, which is kind of cool. Always, always uh, like throwing that in there. She's also eligible to play for. Italy and uh, England. Too. There, there you go. See all those, all those great things. All right. Um, yeah. Let's see if the U.S. can uh, can pull her away. Uh, already start that recruiting. That's how it goes. One more injury update, Kevin. This one's all yours. Uh, you learned the information, but there was a player who was uh, jogging around apparently around the field before the game. Uh, so why don't you give the update on that person? 
Yeah, uh, it, it looks like uh, Bradford Jameson the fourth, um, who has been cleared for physical activity. I was told just before the uh, game at the at the Orange County Great Park that he could not do anything, could not get on a treadmill, couldn't do no physical activity, and that was a month after, more than a month after the concussion. Um, that he suffered on January 28th. And now he has been cleared for physical activity, light jogging. Um, I don't think he ever uh, ran fast enough really to break much of a sweat, especially in the cold conditions of Saturday. But that's a, a step forward. I don't think they'd be allowing him to do that if there was uh, you know, any concern. He was with a trainer. There was a trainer with him uh, pretty much at, at all times. Trainer walked off with him. So clearly they're monitoring this. But that's a step in the right direction. He's had uh, a series of concussions, and there are a lot of people very concerned about him. Uh, Ziggy Schmidt and Chris Klein talked about how it's much more important, um, you know, his life going forward than what he does in the soccer field. Taylor Twellman, who lost his career to concussions at the top of his game, missed out on a World Cup because of that. Um, talked about how the next five years is not as important as the next 50 years and, you know, that that Bradford only has one brain and he needs to protect it. But the fact that he is out there running and, uh, um, you know, being monitored by doctors, that seems to be a good sign. I don't think we should expect him back, and I don't think we want to expect him back for a couple of months. Even if he's given clearance, he needs to get fit. He needs to check on this. He needs to test himself and test himself again, you know, with the blood pumping and everything going and all the adrenaline um, to make sure that he's okay. But when he does come back, uh, he was really the number one option to Kamara. If Kamara was to get hurt or needed to come off or, you know, for U.S. Open Cup game, I think Bradford was the number two striker. So the fact that he's on the mend is, is nothing but good news. Yeah, very good news. So that's a, that's a good thing. All right, we move on now to the LA Galaxy's weekly schedule in case you're playing the home game. Uh, the LA Galaxy off on Monday and Thursday of this week. Uh, again, a Sunday match gives them an extra day off during the week. Um, so off on Monday, off on Thursday, uh, and they will be training on Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, and then the game on Sunday. That game Sunday, 7 p.m., LA Galaxy versus Portland Timbers. Uh, StubHub Center, Fox Sports 1. Another important thing to talk about, uh, the LA Galaxy kicking off a whole bunch of events this week leading up to the uh, the very first kick for the 2018 season for the team. Uh, they have a bunch of different events that are going on right now. So wanted to give you just a heads up on those and make sure that we get those out to you. So that way you, of course, can take advantage of these events and sort of the, the lead up to kick off on Sunday. Uh, Thursday, March 1st, 5 to 7 p.m., the LA Galaxy will, will illuminate Pacific Park on the Santa Monica Pier, the Pacific Wheel, the world's, world's first solar-powered Ferris wheel at Pacific Park on the Santa Monica Pier will be illuminated with the LA Galaxy logo and colors and remain lit through the team's contest against the Portland Timbers on Sunday, March 4th. Um, you're going to have LA Galaxy midfielder Jonathan Dos Santos, midfielder Roman Alessandrini, and President Chris Klein will wait, be on wait. hand. Yeah, Who was yeah. the first guy? Jonathan Dos Santos. That's what oh, it says. Oh, we could ask him what, what hurts. That's right. You could go and ask him while he's lighting the first solar-powered Ferris wheel. Um, but anyway, yeah, Jonathan Dos Santos, Roman Alessandrini, and President Chris Klein will be on hand to light the wheel. That is Santa Monica Pier, Thursday, March 1st, 5 to 7 p.m. Uh, another exhibit that we have, uh, this one in Orange County. In fact, this one, Kevin, is approximately eight minutes from the corner of the Galaxy Studios. 
All right. The great park. The great park. It's it's near the great park, but it's not at the great park. This is at uh the it's it's the best of L.A. Galaxy photography photo exhibit. It's at the Canon Live Learning uh Live Learning Center at in Orange County. Uh, the address is 123 Palorino Avenue in Costa Mesa. Again, just down the road. Uh, I've drive by it all the time. Uh, the L.A. Galaxy will host a photo exhibit to showcase some of the best photographs in all of sports with iconic pictures from the club's history dating back to the inaugural season in 1996. L.A. Galaxy season tickets members who attend the event will receive a free print of one of the photos featured in the exhibit. Uh, Mr. Robert Mora should be down there, uh, the great LA Galaxy uh, team photographer. He's going to be down there, I think, talking about this. So if you get a chance, definitely go there. I I may try to sneak over after I record, recording from 7 to 8, and then there's still a couple hours there. I may drive down the road and do that. So we'll see if that ends up working. So if I am going to be there, I'll say it on Twitter and Facebook, and hopefully I'll see some people down there. All right. Here we go. There's two more that I want to get to. Uh, Friday, March 2nd, the LA Galaxy will have a block party at First Friday's Long Beach. Uh, fans can hang out with the LA Galaxy at First Friday's Long Beach with a dedicated Galaxy block space and Nikki's Long Beach access. Uh, LA Galaxy players, the LA Galaxy Star Squad, and Cosmo will be on hand for the event, which also which will also feature a supporters town hall with head coach Siggy Schmidt and president Chris Klein, 6.30 to 9.30 p.m. on Friday, March 2nd. Uh, that, again, is in Long Beach. All these uh, events can be found on LAGalaxy.com, want to say. And then the final thing that is going on on Saturday, March 3rd, uh, season ticket member Pick Up Soccer at StubHub Center. The LA Galaxy will host Pick Up Soccer at StubHub Center, joined by various LA Galaxy alumni with all 2018 LA Galaxy season ticket members invited to play Pick Up Soccer on Field 7 just a day before the Galaxy kick off their 2018 season at StubHub Center. There you go. Uh, there's RSVP links and all that sorts of things, so please head on over to LAGalaxy.com for all the but that's a fun-filled, wide-reaching sort of events in a bunch of different places, Kevin, that maybe the Galaxy haven't done in the past. And maybe with LAFC across the way, they're trying to up the excitement leading up to kickoff. Yeah, I don't know that I want to talk about LAFC right now. <laughs> I don't know that you're—are you even allowed to talk about LAFC right now? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, I tried to be nice about their uniforms, and that didn't go very well. They, <laughs> I find it funny, Kevin. Here we go. We have uh, we have LAFC, who I think is mad at you, uh, and we have the LA Galaxy, who I think is mad at me. Uh, so between us, we have both LA teams that don't like us right now. I think that's I think that's pretty impressive, don't you? We're we're mad about soccer. <laughs> we, uh, but, soccer's mad about us or whatever. <laughs> mad By about the way, you. Port, Portland was two two and two two and one in the preseason. They won their last two though, so they're on a roll. <laughs> on a roll with new coach uh, over from the New York Cosmos. Uh, what uh, G, Gio uh, Savarisi, I believe, is who the uh, the coach is over there for Portland now. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do it. It's from the Portland fans that I've been watching and talking to. Uh, it seems like there's been a lot of experimentation uh, with the lineups and sort of how they're going. But as you say, when the the last two is always a big deal. Let's talk real quick, Kevin, and give a recap. I know we sort of talked about it a little bit, but Sunday, March 4th, you have the first game of the season that's at home versus the Portland Timbers. The Galaxy then travel a week later. They will be at Yankee Stadium where they will face off against New York City FC on Sunday, March 11th. That's a 2 p.m. Pacific time kickoff uh, Spectrum Sportsnet. Saturday, March 24th at Vancouver uh, in Vancouver, Canada, at BC Place to take on the Vancouver Whitecaps, Spectrum Sportsnet, Spectrum Deportes on that one, and then LAFC, the the LA Derby, the Battle for Los Angeles, the the Freeway. What I don't know. Have we come up with? Is there a name no, yet? No, we we got to come up with one. 
we got to come up with that's that's our job. That's we need to do that. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're taking and I think we've done this before. But we're once again taking your suggestions for the name of this. The battle for Los Angeles was was the one that I always liked. So the battle for L.A. is there uh, Saturday, March 31st at StubHub Center. LAFC expansion team will be coming in to face off against the L.A. Galaxy. So that, I'm going to push back battle yes. against L.A. First of all, Galaxy not in L.A. And the battle of L.A. could be anything. It could be USC and UCLA. It could be the the Rams and the Chargers. I don't know. I think it should be something a little more um, unique. And where, I don't, where what, do you, I don't know. Where Go do ahead. you think I was going to say? Where do you think that the Galaxy are not in L.A.? Where are you, you're talking about L.A. City, but you're you're, you're neglecting L.A. County. So, okay, so why don't we call the battle for the Los Angeles County supremacy? There we go. Perfect. I love it. Mark it down. Put it on a trophy. I mean, that's fine. You could just say Los Angeles. Here's the thing, though. When you talk about people and where they're from, Kevin, do, do only people from L- Los Angeles City proper say that they're from L.A.? No. No. Yeah. No. So it's if you're around L.A., hey, I'm from Orange County. And when I'm out and about talking to people and they're asking where I'm from, if I'm not in, you know, Southern California where people wouldn't necessarily understand where everything is. You know what I tell people? I'm from Los Angeles, just south of Los well, Angeles. Uh, if I was from Orange County, I wouldn't tell people I was from Orange County either. <laughs> that is, that's such an L.A. County thing to say, Kevin. Such a where, where, what county are you representing up there? You're an L.A. County person. I'm, I, I live in an unincorporated part of, of L.A. County, so I have L.A. County sheriffs, and I, I don't have an elected official. So the, the area where I live is Valencia, but it's, it's part of L.A. County. I don't have a city to you, be part of. You don't? Uh, I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's yeah. sad. Now I was going to make fun of you, and I can't even make fun of you. All right. We'll let it go. Um, all right. So that, anyway, that's what – but yeah, I mean there does have to be something here. I would like it to be organic and not necessarily forced upon it by MLS. Um, I would love for the supporters to come up for something. So I, again, I like the battle for Los Angeles one, I think, because wasn't that a horrible movie? Um, so that, that should be, that should definitely be what these two teams battle for. Um, so that's the thing, but yeah, whatever it ends up being, it ends up being, I still want to see like the California cup come into play with Sacramento Republic being, you know, a major league soccer team with San Diego getting one. And then you have what, five or six teams in, in California and you can play for the California cup, which would rival the Cascadia cup, I think, and, and Put it to shame. Put it to shame. How about we could call it El Clasico? El Clasico. That one taken? <laughs> very good. Very good. All right. You want to get to some questions before we get out of here? You have anything sure, else you want to talk not? about? It, answers right. as well. Questions okay. and answers. No, we're just going to say both. the questions. Thank everybody. I said that the person with the best question would get some stickers, Kevin. So you get to decide who the best question is. I have stickers right here. I have a couple. Yeah, I, right here on the desk. Let me tell you all how this worked. I we I I'm in the press box. I had handed out some stickers. I saw some people at, at halftime. Um, and by the way, I'm usually at the top of section 108 at the bottom of the stairs, the press box stairs at halftime. If you want to come say hi to me, just let me know you're going to be there on Twitter or email me or whatever. But I'm usually there anyway, so stop by. I'll hand out stickers if I have some with me. So I handed out stickers to people, said hi, you know, normal normal, normal meet and greet. And it was great seeing everybody. Um, I walk up the stairs. I still have some stickers. And Kevin goes, Kevin goes, oh, can I have some stickers? So I go, yeah, you want to hand out some stickers to people? He goes, yeah, sure, no problems. And so I give him a stack of stickers. There's like 10 or 12 stickers there. No problems. Can, can hand out to 10 or 12 people. He turns around and gives them to the LA Galaxy front office staff. There's just... I've given them stickers before, Kevin. You're supposed to hand them out to listeners, not necessarily the people who are sitting in the press box. I gave some to journalists, too. And and the, by the way, I know we don't always agree on this, but it is true that the LA Galaxy front office, they're people, too. <laughs> they are beautiful. At least some of them are. I've, I've heard they listen on occasion, too. That's a, Maybe that's why they're so mad sometimes. Who knows? Um, all right, let's go. So the best question here, we'll get a sticker, um, and I'll send them out. So 
Um, the first one is from Sean. Uh, Sean says, outside of the main suspects, Alessandrini, Kamara, Gio, who out of the supporting cast scores the most goals this year? So you got to take away the main guys, Kevin. So we're, ta- we're throwing out Gio, we're throwing out Kamara, and we're throwing out Alessandrini. And I agree, those are probably the main guys. So who's going to score the most goals excluding those guys? Well, so Legette could be part of that? Uh, you, you could you could say Legette, absolutely. Yeah, I'd say Le- I'm going to name three guys I think are possible, and, and we can narrow this down if we need to. i say Legette, Boateng, and then, uh, you know, um, Arce Hilliard, Hilliard Arce, yes, both those guys, both of those um, guys, <laughs> and Steris. I mean, Steris scored a lot of goals last year, but uh, you know, I, I like Hilliard Arce on on uh, on corner kicks and and set plays in front of the net. I think he's and, and I think he's going to get a lot more playing time than people think right now. I I think he's going to get a, a, a more than a few chances to score. Yeah, he very well caught. I would say Siani might be one of those guys who scores a whole bunch of goals if he's going to play and start. Um, which, by the way, if you're looking at the starting lineup and you saw. Um, how how Siggy Schmidt lined it up outside of Jonathan Dos Santos not being there. Uh, that looks like, to me, the Sunday team. I think Siani has surpassed Steras in terms of the start, uh, at least for now. I don't think that's permanent. I think that can change at any time. Uh, it may depend on how they train this week, Kevin. Who knows? Um, but that's that's how it feels to me right now, is that it seems like Siani is going to be the starter at center back. So Siani could very well get his head on some of those. I mean, if you're looking for the real dark horse, I agree. Legette is probably that guy. Boateng could definitely be that guy. Um, you know, especially if everybody has to pay attention to all the other people, you have to pay attention to Kamara, Alison Drini, Giovanni Dos Santos, you know, even Perry Kitchener, Jonathan Dos Santos coming in, um, you know, up into that offensive zone. It's, it's a lot of ways, uh, Emmanuel Boateng can score goals. So that would be a lot of fun. All right. There's Sean. I, I have a dark horse. Yes. Yeah, so who's your dark horse? Salatan. You were here. No, get out. We're not. I refuse. You're not allowed to talk about him anymore. Remember, you said you're not carrying any more water. That that you're you're not doing it. So you can't talk about him anymore. All right. Onward. Uh, Daniel writes in. Uh, he says, "Is the youth project from last year over? Like how Kurt brought up the kids and played them, albeit because of injuries, or is it on hiatus this year? Also, is Pato coming? Um, so so Daniel automatically is disqualified from the stickers because he mentioned Pato. But you can answer his other question there, Kevin." Um, yes, I think it is. Um, I, I think there will be some guys like, you know, Ephraim will be up and, and he'll get some minutes, probably U.S. Open Cup, things like that. There will be one or two just uh, dynamic talents that can't uh, stay down in USL uh, all season. But for the most part, you're not going to you're not going to see that revolving door. Even Bruce, you know, at the end, he had guys, you know, Romney came up through that Steris. There were, uh, you know, um, uh, Diallo came up and. Um, Diop, uh, you're not going to see that anymore. I, I think this is a pretty set team. E- even the draft picks, you know, the guys that came through the draft this year uh, sort of had trouble getting some playing time. So I think that's Ziggy's MO. I, I've talked to Ziggy about that a lot, and he keeps insisting that he plays young players. And he is right. There are exceptions. Jordan Morris, Christian Roldan, young players that he's used over the years. But for the most part, Ziggy has been a guy that st- likes veterans, sticks with veterans, trusts veterans. A guy like a Jordan Morris who – um, unfortunately for MLS and for Seattle is now out for the season with an ACL tear. But when he came up, he was just, uh, he was so good. Ziggy had to play him, but, and there are some players, uh, maybe one or two down with galaxy two that, that will come up. But for the most part, I think the team that you've seen is the team that you're going to see. And, uh, even the guys on the bench are going to be veteran guys. And you look at Bradford Jamison, he probably wind up being the youngest player on the team and he's 21, but he's been around for four years. So it's yeah. not like he's necessarily a guy that just got called up uh, from the Academy. Yeah. The other flip side of that and, and why I agree with you is that, uh, he got, Siggy 
also, uh, you know, sent a bunch of guys out. So the the youth movement, there aren't a bunch of youth ready guys who can come up and play MLS minutes right now. Again, Efren Alvarez, um, you know, you had Uli in there as well. So there's there's some guys there that can still come up and make some impressions. But for the most part, um, Ari Lasseter is probably the one guy whom you might see a lot of, um, especially now that, that Bradford Jameson seems to be sidelined for, for at least a little while. Um, so it's, it's, I, I think the youth movement is dead and mostly because there's probably not a whole bunch of youth that they can see playing MLS minutes and they really do have a pretty packed roster as well. Well, and those guys, I mean, you could say, uh, Alvarez could come up, you know, maybe. And, and if Bradford's not ready, they do need some coverage for Kamar. They need, do need to have somebody on the bench that can play that position in, in case he gets hurt or, uh, you know, can't finish the game. So there will be maybe a few opportunities, but the other thing with the young guys is you want them playing meaningful minutes, uh, and, and that's where they're going to they're, they're going to get that with Galaxy Two. They're not going to get that with the MLS club. So I do think if even if the guys are talented, you look at this roster. Um, are they going to replace Perry Kitchen? Are they going to take Ashley Cole's spot? No, no. Are they going to play you know play replace Jonathan when he goes away to the Olymp- to the World Cup? No. So those guys will stay down and they'll play 90 minutes a game at USL Two, and that's uh, are the USL team Galaxy Two, and and that's where they that's where they should be to, to learn how to play. They're not going to replace anyone on this team. So I think at least for this season, uh, yeah, I think the youth movement is dead. All right, we go on to our uh, our next question at Rogue Leader LA. He says DB contracts. Can you explain, to the best of your knowledge, how much longer each contract is for? All right, so we have three designated players right now, Kevin. Giovanni Dos Santos, Jonathan Dos Santos, and Roman Alessandrini. The easiest ones to figure out, or at least the easiest one right now, is Roman Alessandrini, who was, I believe, on a three-year contract. Right, uh, I just got that confirmed the other day. So okay, he so is three, two, two years to go after two this. Year, two years to go on Roman Alessandrini. All right, then you go to Jonathan Dos Santos, who came in mid-season. I think he he was also on a two and a half slash three year contract. Uh, so for me, it feels like he still has two more years. Yes, um, I believe that's true, and I believe Jonathan is signed for the same duration because of that whole these guys are joined at the hip uh, yeah. sort of rule. Well, so I th- I think all three of these guys are signed until the end of the 2019 season. See, that's the only one. Is Geo is the one that that I'm trying to remember, and that he could still maybe have maybe have a year left and then maybe they would renew it to, to match it up with Jonathan. But yeah, I mean, they very well could have signed contract extensions and that, but the, to you think that all three are through 2019. Yeah, that's my recollection. The other thing is that MLS contracts are kind of weird too. And, and you know this better than I do. So correct me where I'm wrong, but my understanding with about 99.9% of the contracts is they are for a term. Now DP contracts are probably different. Um, I would guess that they would be different, but most standard MLS contracts or for a certain number of years plus an option, and the and the option in every other sport, it's generally a mutual option. You know, where if the player wants to come back and the club wants to come back, he comes back. In MLS, I think it's the club's way or the highway. In other words, if they yeah. want you back, you are, you, you know, you're you have to come back, and if they don't want you, you have to leave. Um, so when you look at a guy who's on a two-year contract, remember there's pro- it's probably actually a three-year deal if the team wants him because there's an option. Now with DPs, it's probably different. It is different just because of the salary involved. Yeah, it is different, and there's usually there's no trade clauses in DPs and you know and all those things. So yeah, it is a little bit different. All right, uh, let's go to Andrew. Andrew writes and he says, which group will be most crucial to the team's success this year? The attack, the midfield, or the defense? And you can't use the all of them. It's a team sport cop-out. So which well, he, he knew right away which ones we were going to go for. So if you have to pick one, defense, midfield, or the attacking side of things on offense, um, which is going to be the most important part of to the success of the Galaxy in 2018? 
the defense to me. They gave up 67 goals last season. They took completely cleaned house, got rid of all three goalkeepers, brought in a new goalkeeper and a new goalkeeper coach. This is the same guy that got Andre Blake to be so great in Philadelphia. So he comes in with a lot of expectations and, and the bar set very high uh, to try to get David Bingham straightened out. Um, then the guys in front of them, they brought in some really good veteran players. They haven't played very well uh, so far, you know. Rolf has not been as as advertised, I don't think, so far. Perry Kitchen's been great, and yep. I think that that holding midfielder role is going to be really important. So I'm, I mean, I'm going to include not just the back line. I'm going to include uh, uh, Perry Kitchen in that. So I think the defense, I think there's enough firepower up front that these guys are going to score. I don't think the Galaxy are looking to win a lot of games one to nothing, but uh, they can't afford to give up three or four goals either. So uh, and, and that, to me, has been the shakiest part of the uh, uh of the winner as well. Although they, you know, again, they gave up one goal from the run of play against Vancouver. That's kind of been the shakiest part, getting those guys together. And so that's where I think the, you know, the, the galaxy, they're going to score goals, but they can't give up three or four a game and expect to win. Yeah. I was, uh, you stole my answer. Absolutely. It's the defense. Um, if you want to play the, you know, if you, if you want me to give another, uh, a different answer, I'll say it's the midfield. And the reason that it could possibly be the midfield and why they're so important is that that is where you're going to also be able to reinforce the defense, as you talked about Perry Kitchen. And it's also where you're going to be able to kick off uh, the offense. So Jonathan Dos Santos getting forward and combining with Ola Kamara and getting Roman Alessandrini involved and getting Ima Boateng or Sebastian Legette involved in those plays and, you know, getting all these guys together and, and working together. So the midfield, you know, because they play both sides there, uh, go forward and come back, they also could be the pivot point here. And if I had to give a different answer, I would say uh, the midfield, but I agree with you, Kevin. I think it is but the defense. I, I got so much confidence in that midfield. I think it's just so it, deep. I mean, you got to like you. You've mentioned Carrasco is a really good player. He's not even in the in the conversation about starting. I, I think Baggio has a lot to give. He'll he he's probably not a guy that can start right now, but I think he's a guy that can give you valuable minutes. Right. So I just think, and you know, Legit hasn't even been starting in the spring be, or winter rather because he's you know still trying to get fit off that injury. And so either he or Boateng is going to be on the bench. That's a really good midfield. Field. Yeah, it is. And and I agree with you on that side as well. All right. Uh, Kishin. Kishin writes in, uh, what is the most realistic goal for this team in 2018? What would qualify as a successful season, Mr. Kevin Baxter? Well, the Galaxy says, Chris Klein says they have to win the MLS Cup to to be successful. But then he all, and, and, and that's the standard answer. They say that every year. But then he also said that, uh, you know, making, they need to take step forward. They need to show progress. So what's progress? Well, I, I think this team has to make the playoffs. If it doesn't make the playoffs, no matter how many games it wins, it's not successful. Um, and I do think they will make the playoffs. Now, I, so goal number two would be to avoid that play in game. In other words, finishing the top four. Uh, that could be uh, a bridge too far for this team. I think that would be a difficult uh, a challenge for them. They're not going to challenge for the uh, supporter shield. They're not going to challenge for the conference championship. I don't think, I think the Western conference is really, really good this year. So, Bottom line is they have to make the playoffs, and if they do that and get on a run, remember there was as bad as last year's team was. They had that what was it, ten game unbeaten streak in the middle in the early in the season. So, yep. um, if this team can get in the playoffs, they could be dangerous. And I, so I, I would say that that's the bottom line. If they don't, if they don't get in the playoffs, no matter how many games they win, it's a bad season. Yeah, and and that's a, that's a good answer. All right, final question here from Shane. Shane says. I want to ask Kevin Baxter about the essay he wrote in fifth grade that was voted the best in the class. Oh man, it was great. It, I don't have a copy of it anymore. What I'm was afraid. it? What was it about? Shane wants to know. It, it well, it was about. I wrote a story about me and a guy that was on my um, league baseball team, I think, at that time, and just our adventures 
And but the one thing that the teacher singled singled out is that I I reported everybody's age in the story, every character that was in the story. I think there was might have been a witch in the story at one point, and her age was eight hundred years or something. But it was the detail, the attention to detail, that uh, that made that the winning essay. A future sports reporter, absolutely, because uh, you always list ages. Uh, that's that's mandatory. That's one of the things you have to do. So, all right, there it is. So you had your there it is. So you got you got Sean who asked about uh, you know who outside of the main suspects is going to be the, uh, uh, from the supporting cast is going to score goals. You had Daniel who talked about Pato and is eliminated from the sticker contest. Uh, you have DP contracts from Rogue Leader. You have Andrew who talks about which. Which attack? Was it the attack or the midfield or the defense? And Kishin, a realistic goal for 2018. And Shane uh, asked you about the essay. Which one was the best question? Which person gets these stickers? Oh, man. It's not even close. Shane. Shane. <laughs> wow. Playing, just playing to the judge on that one. All right. Congratulations, <laughs> Shane. I will contact you and I will uh, get you some stickers on that. All right. Mr. Baxter, is there anything else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Nope. Tip your waiters on the way out. Um, remember, I'll be here all week. Yeah, please. Please, he will be. Make him go away. Um, all right, if you're looking... Uh, actually, before we even do that, I wanted to remind everybody, Corner of the Galaxy Scarves, I'm telling you right now, uh, Kevin Kevin has seen them. Kevin, Kevin loves them. Uh, I love them. Uh, they look great, but I'm running out. So if you were waiting for the opportune time to buy them, the answer is now, because there's going to be at least a four to six week gap in us having more scarves. So I ordered 75. You guys have pretty much torn through those. I'm, I'm not kidding. I have probably less than 12 left right now, right? which is amazing, and thank you. But if you wanted to order them, you need to do it now. So cornerofthegalaxy.com forward slash shop. That's where you can get it. Cornerofthegalaxy.com. Go up on, the, on our website. You can click on the shop button, and you can go in there, and you can order a scarf. And I'm not kidding. I ship them out fast. Right? If you order it in a day, it usually ships out that day or the next day. And this is priority U.S. Postal Service deliveries. I mean, you're talking about one day for most of the, uh, the Southern California basin here. So if you're outside so of the state, it would take a little longer. Order now, or you won't get them until BJ comes back. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, and maybe maybe even until summer, all right? That's how long it could be. So, yeah, order now. Please do that. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me on Twitter, please head on over to at uh, Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, at kbaxter11, uh, please follow him over at the LA Times and support what he does. Uh, click on his articles, make comments, all that fun stuff. Uh, for Mr. Kevin Baxter. If you're looking for the show at Galaxy Podcast on Twitter and of course cornerofthegalaxy.com that's where you can find all of our podcasts all of our written articles, all of our great stuff. Larry Morgan has a great little sidebar on uh, on Servando Carrasco that he wrote uh, that is out there right now so please check it out. Alright, this is it. Countdown. Week number one just six days left before the LA Galaxy kickoff the 2018 season. Thank you for joining us for Mr. Kevin Baxter. I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the Box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.